Wow, that's uh, authentic Christianity right there, right? Yeah. It's good to, to, to hear those wonderful testimonies. Thank you so much, uh, you four. And uh, they have, as the verse has said, in front of the assembly, they praise God and, and share their testimony. Today we're going to be talking about headlines and highlights. Headlines and highlights. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to invite your presence, your spirit here. I pray, Lord, that uh, you give us the strength of mind to capture what you want us to know through these testimonies and through the story we're going to go through in the Bible. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Do you guys remember the first time that uh, you bought a smartphone? Do you remember the first time that uh, you had it in your hands? I remember it because I had really, now that I think about it, a really lame phone because all it did was call. Can you imagine that? A phone that all it did was call and text, I guess. And uh, finally it broke. I think I tried to break it a couple times just to have an excuse to my wife, I need to buy a new phone. And I was able to get an iPhone. I think it was an iPhone 4S back then. But for me, it was, you know, the best phone there was at the time. And what was great about it was that I couldn't, I could do more than just call. I downloaded all these applications, all these apps. And have you ever noticed that when you download an app, one of the first questions that they ask you when you download it is if you want notifications. Have you gotten that as well? I mean, it doesn't matter which one you download, it seems everyone wants to send you a notification. And that means that every time something happens in the application, it sends you a message right to your phone. So not knowing better, every time I would download an app, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, let me know, let me know. And so whether it was Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or weather app or anything that was going on, I put yes on notifications. Now remember that experiment by Pavlov with the dogs? Do you remember that experiment? That every time that the food came out, they would, I believe, ring a bell and the, and the dogs would start drooling as soon as they heard the bell knowing that they would get the food. Well, it kind of turned into that situation. Every time I would hear that chime on my phone, I would, you know, immediately grab, that was my reaction, right? The dogs with the drooling for me was pick up my phone and see what's, what's happening. But because I had signed up for so many notifications, I was getting notifications for everything. I was going throughout the day receiving dozens of notifications, and I would, you know, immediately look at them, and what was it? Oh, great, there's another picture of your dog. That's nice. Oh, great, here's another picture of the french fries you're eating today. Oh, here's a, a quote from a Greek philosopher that you think uh, they should share with the world. And constantly, all these notifications, they were useless to me. So I realized this was taking up too much of my time. I had become like Pavlov's dog, just constantly waiting for those notifications. But I thought there was one notification that I should probably keep on, and that's the news. Because you gotta know the news, right? You have to know the news. And so I kept that notification on because I wanted to know the headlines. I want to know the headlines of what's happening around the world. But let me tell you, friends, I only lasted about six months trying to keep those notifications on because it was a constant barrage of bad news. Have you noticed that the headlines 
are usually just negative or bad news. Every time I would receive a notification, there's an earthquake here, so many people died, someone's been abducted, something bad happened here and there, and I was constantly getting these notifications, and I realized that that just wasn't healthy for me. So I finally turned off the notifications for my news on my phone. But if you turn on the news and you see breaking news, there's always breaking news. The breaking news is not that someone got cured of cancer. The breaking news is that not that they found someone that was missing. The breaking news is not that someone has gotten back together with an estranged family member. The good breaking news is never the good news that you find in the news. And so breaking news Headline news is usually a bad thing. And let me tell you, if you are a human being who's living in this sinful world, if you are a person living among defective people in this world, this world is going to give you a headline. Sooner or later in your life, you are going to get a headline. You could be living your life you could be walking through your life, going to school, going to work, and all of a sudden you get that phone call, you get that text message, or, or your husband sits you down, or your wife sits you down, and you get that negative headline, I want a divorce. I've been diagnosed with cancer. Sorry, but we have to let you go. Mom, Dad, I don't believe in God anymore. You see, if you live in this world, you're going to get headlines, moments in your life that are announced and come to you suddenly, and they're never good news. But let me tell you something, that if you are a believer, and you are a Christian, and you are the son and daughter of God, not only will you receive headlines like every other human being on earth, but you will also get highlights. I promise you that God will give you highlights. Now, what are highlights? Highlights are different than headlines, right? Now, I grew up in Southern California, and when I was going to high school, it was the best time to be a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. Anybody a, a fan of basketball here? National Basketball League? Okay, we got a couple of fans. I was going through the most formative years of my life, and they were Kobe, Shaq, winning the championship. And I remember that I would come home from school. There was 82 games in half a year. And I would spend days, like every other day was a basketball game. And I would spend two hours every day watching my team and cheering it on. But then you get to college, then you get to adult, and you're like, I can't spend that much time watching a basketball game. That's like two hours every other day. So they invented something called YouTube. Have you heard of that? <laughs> Where instead of watching a two-hour game, they've gotten all the best highlights of the games. And you could, you could press play, and in less than three minutes, you could see all the great highlights of that game. And you don't have to spend two hours watching the whole game. And the highlights are for basketball or for football or, or for anything you might find interesting. But let me tell you, as you go through this life, God has also given you highlights, moments of your life that are great, that are uplifting, 
things that God has done. And you've heard four highlights today, haven't you? Those were wonderful highlights. And let me tell you, those four people have had headlines in their life. They've had challenges. They've had struggles, just like you have had challenges and struggles. And every human being that walks on this earth has headlines. But if you are a believer, you also have highlights. And the most amazing part is when God takes your headlines and turns them into your highlights. And so today we're going to go to a story in the Bible of a man, a good man, a good king, who was given a headline. But at the end, it turned into a great highlight. So open with me your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter 31 and verse, um, 38, excuse me, and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 1. One. What a beautiful sound to hear those pages turning. Amen. Amen. If you didn't bring your glasses, don't worry. We have the text up here. You can see it from afar. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1, in those days, what's the name of the king? Hezekiah was sick and near death. Is that a headline? Is that a headline? That's the biggest headline, right? That's the biggest headline breaking bad news you can get. Not only are you sick, but you're sick unto, unto death. And being the king, I could imagine that he was trying every doctor, every treatment. He was probably going to some extremes trying to see, you know, what can I use? What can I do to get better? And I think the Lord in his mercy saw that he was getting so anxious and desperate to find a cure that the Lord just wanted to give him peace. So he sent his prophet and it says, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said, thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not, and not live. Now, I don't believe this was a punishment or a declaration from the Lord. I think it was the Lord just saying, hey, I know you're running around to this doctor and that doctor. I know you're getting chemotherapy. I know you're getting this MRI, the CT scan. I know you're getting poked by all these people drawing blood from you. And just, just, just calm down. Don't be anxious. I just want to let you know that you are going to die. It's okay. I'm with you. Prepare yourself. You're going to die. And that could have been the end of the story, right? His headline, he got the headline, and that's it. But the Bible tells us that Hezekiah, verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. You know, he must have wept really loud because in the Eastern, the ancient Eastern culture, men don't hold back like they do now. I mean, when's the last time you saw a man cry, right? It's, it's very rare that we see men cry publicly. But in that time, in the ancient Eastern times, men expressed themselves. And I can imagine him turning to the wall, maybe to, to hide just the anguish of his face. And he just let it out and he was crying because he was young. He didn't have a son that was going to take over the throne for him. He was in the middle of his manhood. He was 39 years 
of age. And the nation of Israel, he had just, uh, the nation of Judah, he had just started the revival. Things were going good. The temple service has had restarted. And in the middle of all this, he was going to die. But you know what Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says that the Lord's compassions fail not. Have you heard that verse before? The Lord's compassions fail not. When we turn and cry because we've received a headline, God is not hard-hearted. We are hard-hearted. When we hear the news of another murder, of another abduction, of another death, we kind of have become used to it, right? We're kind of hard-hearted to it. It has to be something really extremely bad for us to feel compassion, and it has to be extraordinarily bad and terrible for us to be moved to do something out of compassion. But the Bible tells us that the compassions of God fail not. What does that mean? That even though he's seen millions and billions of people diagnosed with a disease or cancer, guess what? He still has compassion upon them. He hasn't gotten callous because he's seen family members pass away. He still is touched by every death. He's still touched by every sickness. He's still touched by every divorce. He's still touched by every estranged relationship. He is still touched by everything that happens in your life, even though he's seen it a million billion times. Because his compassions, what? Fail not. If you feel that no one knows how you feel, that no one truly empathizes with what you're going through, just remember that the Lord's compassions fail not. And Isaiah chapter 38 verse 5 tells us that before the prophet Isaiah had even left the middle of the courtyard, God said, "Uh uh-uh, stop. (laughs) Make a U-turn. Go back to Hezekiah. Because I'm about to turn his headline into a highlight. Isn't that exciting? Are you thinking about your headline? Are you thinking about your headline? Because God can turn it also in a moment into a highlight. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 38 verse 5, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And surely I will add to your days, how much? Fifteen years. What did the Lord see? And what did the Lord hear? Hmm? What did the Lord see? And what did the Lord hear? He saw the tears. But guess what? Every person that lives on this earth, in this sinful earth, among fallen people, we all have tears in common just like we all have headlines in common. But what makes a difference between you going from a headline to a highlight of God? It's the other part. It's what God heard. God saw tears, but he sees tears everywhere. But in his people, he sees tears, but he hears, he hears, he hears prayers. And that's the key from turning your headline into a, into a highlight. Do you believe in the power of prayer to change your life, your circumstances, your situations, 
your bad news. Many years ago in Brazil, there broke out a real revival among the young people in Brazil. The youth director tells a story that it was amazing that all throughout the cities of Brazil, young people on Saturday nights would gather together in churches to sing and pray all night. Can you imagine in Brazil, Saturday nights, you know what some people are doing in the beaches and in those places? They're partying. They're having times in the clubs. They're on the beach, half-dressed. But among the Seventh-day Adventists in Brazil, there truly broke out a revival. And the youth director tells of an experience one night he went to support one of these Saturday night meetings where the young people were gathered. 1,000 people had gathered to sing and pray all nights instead of going out and partying with the worldly youth out there. And so the, he tells a story that he showed up and after some song service, they broke off into twos to pray. And he was with one young man and he was, he was going to pray with him. And all of a sudden, a mother stood up and she said, excuse me, everyone. I need you to pray for my son. My son grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. He was a Pathfinder leader. He was in the church choir. He was involved in youth ministries. But you know where he is tonight. She, she mentioned a bad neighborhood. And, and she said, my son is dressed like a woman, standing in the corner, selling his body as a prostitute. He used to be a pathfinder. He used to be in here at church, and now there he is, dressed as a woman, selling his body. That's where he is tonight. Please pray for him. So everybody got on their knees, and, and the pastor allowed the young man to begin his prayer. And that young man, started to pray a prayer that scared the pastor. He said, Father God, tonight I want to ask that you bring that young man to church here. And the way that he said it and the power that he said it kind of shocked the pastor like, wow, he's almost like commanding God. But almost as if the young man read his mind, he said, Lord, I am not saying it in a way to disrespect you, but I know you can, and I know you will. And he kept insisting, bring him here tonight. And the pastor was just so touched by the faith of that young man. And so they prayed, and they got up. The program continued. They were singing, praying. It was one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. It was five in the morning. They were in their last song. They were ready to go home. When all of a sudden that mother who was singing looked back and let out a scream like her heart had just been grabbed. And of course, everybody looked at her, and when they looked at her, she was staring towards the back of the church. And so everybody turned and looked to the back of the church, and there was a young man dressed as a woman walking to the church. And the mother ran and hugged him. And of course, the pastor, knowing what they had prayed about, invited him and said, share with us, why are you here? How are you here? And he said, 
I was standing on the streets when all of a sudden I, I felt this sense like the world was spinning and that I was going to die that very moment. I felt like, like this was the end for me and the world was spinning, everything was going dark. And in that moment of despair, I remembered what I had learned at church as a young boy. I remember the things that had been taught to me. And, and I cried out to the Lord, help, help. And he passed out there. Other people found him. They kind of made him sit up and he came too. And his first thought was, I need to go find my mother. He went home. He took a taxi home. He went to his mother's room. But his mother was not there. So he woke up his brother and he said, where's mom? Mom's at church. Mom's always at church praying for you. And so he got another taxi and, and they drove him to the church and he walked right into the church. He didn't even bother to change. He went. He had been in the corner. And the young man who had been praying said, excuse me, when was it that you had that experience that you felt like you were dying? What time was that at? He said, I, I don't know. I, I think it was around, around midnight, I think. That's when I was praying for you to come to church. And that headline of a lost son became a highlight of a prodigal son. Because God's people don't only have tears, but their tears are mixed with prayers. And the prayers change the headlines that everyone goes through into God's highlights for your life. Do you have highlights in your life? Has God done amazing things for you? The Bible tells us that he healed this king. But he wasn't only for the king that he did this. Because he did something even more than heal him. Isaiah chapter 38 verse 7 to 8 tells us that he would give him a sign so that he would have belief that he was going to be healed. Isaiah chapter 38 verse 7 to 8 tells us this. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. The next verse. Behold, I will bring the shadow of the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone. Now, I know you're going like, okay, what's this supposed to mean? Because who uses a sundial anyway? When's the last time you used a sundial, huh? <laughs> I've seen some watches actually that are sundials and you kind of got to you know, hit, let the, the sun hit it and hit the, the shadow there. But a sundial is basically um, the sun would hit the angle of the sundial to kind of show what, what time it was. And so it's kind of like, you know, a clock. You know, when it's time is moving forward, you know what time the clock is moving. But this is the movement of the, of the sun. So basically, if you were to move the sundial back, either the sun has to move or the earth has to move. And the Bible tells us that when he did this great highlight of curing King Hezekiah, he made that moment stand out 
by giving him one of the greatest signs that has ever been given to mankind, the turning back of the sundial. Now, thousands of miles away, in the ancient land of the Chaldeans, there was a people that were still under the Assyrian yoke, but that one day would rise up to be this great Babylonian power. And among those people, they were, there was many uh, who studied the stars, who studied the sun, and were always looking up there to understand the things of our world. And you could imagine their surprise when they looked up and saw that their sundials were also moving, that something had changed. And then all of a sudden, they were wondering, they were connecting with other scientists from other nations, like, do you know what happened? What's your hypothesis? Do you know what happened? And all of a sudden, they hear this rumor from the land of Judah that the reason that the sundial moved back was because the God of the Israelites had given it as a sign to King Hezekiah. And so... What do they decide to do? They decide to send people to King Hezekiah. Second Chronicles chapter 32, uh, in verse 31. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 31 tells us that, however, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about what? The wonder that was done in the land. God, listen to this. God withdrew from him. Who's him? Hezekiah. In order to test him that he might know all that was in his, in his heart. Do you know, God is hidden today. Did you know that? God is hidden today. Many people can't see God. In this world, many people in this world are asking, Where is God? And they look for evidences of the Lord and they see no evidence. There is a lack of belief because people don't see God in this world. And the reason they don't see Him is because Christians are hiding Him. The reason they don't see Him is because Christians are hiding Him. Because God is doing highlight after highlight after highlight in our lives, and no one knows about it. And people say, where's God? If there's a God, how come he's not doing something? I haven't heard God do anything. I read stories in the Bible, seems like a great God, but he must, he must have taken the work off in this century or in my lifetime. And God is working with all his might and power. And he's done miracles for you. He's healed you. He's converted you. He's given you food. He's changed your character. He's healed your marriages. He's given you healthy children. He has brought you to churches that nourish you. He's given you Christian friends. And I could go on and on and on, but no one knows about it. Because even though God is doing great highlights, we don't share it with anybody. Even our testimony time right now, I was like, well, that was awesome. I don't know, the last time I heard someone share a testimony that authentic. It was given, so it would shock you to know that we don't really share that kind of stuff anymore. And so people say, where's God? And so they came from Babylon to see what had happened. And God was testing the gratitude 
of King Hezekiah for the great thing he had done in his life. And Isaiah chapter 39 verse 2 tells us, And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them how God had healed him. And showed them how the sundial had turned back. Is that what he showed them? This is so sad. And he showed them the house of his treasures. The silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointments and all his army. All that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Except one thing. That he did not show him. And that was the Lord working in his life. Can you imagine the difference in the history of the nation of Israel and in the history of the world that instead of Hezekiah sharing the things that, that he had and showing off the pride of his possessions, that he would have shared how great his God was. And instead of the Babylonian envoys going back to their king and saying, man, they have enough gold, silver, and treasures to finance all our wars and all our expansion, they would have gone back saying, there is a true and mighty God above all our gods, and he is the God of Israel. We need to submit to him. What a difference that would have made for the coming of the Messiah and the preparation of the gospel to come. But instead, God was hidden and man was uplifted. We all have headlines. We all have headlines, terrible things, shocks that come in our lives. But your tears mixed with your prayers changes your headlines into highlights. But the greatest strategy is when God is working amazingly in your life and you run across friends, family, co-workers, and all you share about is your vacation, your promotion, the weather, the new car, the new suit, new shoes, Basketball, football, and we mention absolutely nothing about how great God has been working on our lives. You know, I wish there was a YouTube clip of the highlights of what God has done in your life. Wouldn't that be amazing? If people could just go online and play, and they would see how he worked on the heart of that manager to give you a raise when you thought you were going to lose the job. You would see how, how he was with you when you were about to fail that class, but he gave you the wisdom to pass that class. How even though the marriage was falling apart, he brought both of your hearts and kind of touched them so they would yield to each other and love each other. And all those highlights would be somewhere. But friends, there is no YouTube that people could go to. There's only you that people could go to. And the Bible tells us that King Hezekiah told them nothing about God and everything about his possessions. And years later, the Babylonians came 
and destroyed all of Jerusalem. And we never know what our testimony could do in the life of a person at that very moment, in that very time. There was a quadriplegic man who came to visit Pastor Bouillon. You guys know Pastor Bouillon? The greatest evangelist of South America. Now, this young man had gone to college a few years back, and he had left his parents' house, and he realized that he thought he was smarter and wiser, and his parents, you know, were just ignorant, going to church and believing in a God. He thought that, you know, now that he was studying, he knew more about them, and he started to reject God, and not only reject God, but become very, uh, very abrasive against anyone who believed in God and attacking them and challenging them. He was not going to church anymore. He was going off with his friends while his parents tried to pray and bring him back, but he would just laugh, mock him, and not want anything to do with them. And one day, him and his friends were swimming in a, in a pool that had formed under a waterfall. They were drinking, they were eating. They got really nice and drunk that they started challenging each other to jump from higher and higher heights. Now the water under the waterfall was, you know, churning, and so you really couldn't see underneath it. But right there at the base of the waterfall was a large rock. And so when, when he was told, do it, do it, he jumped. And straight with his head, he landed on that rock. His friends jumped in, and, and they rescued him from drowning, took him to the hospital. He was between life and death for a few weeks. But finally... He was stable, but completely quadriplegic. No movement from the neck down. Now, you would think that an incident like this would humble someone, that maybe would allow them to turn back to the Lord and, and review their life. It was a, a headline, right? It was a major headline. Breaking news, bad news. But not this young man. He dug even harder. He blamed God for all this. And his parents that now had complete care of him, they gave him showers, they changed his messes, they shaved him, brushed his teeth, combed him. He was angry against them that they still believed in God, and in their presence, he would blaspheme the name of God. He would talk down about God and talk down upon them. He became filled with hate sitting there in his quadriplegic bed. Well, Pastor Bouillon came, a great evangelist, and you know how it is sometimes with these great speakers. Sometimes we think that they could do miracles if we just bring, you know, a sinner to them, that all of a sudden they'll say a few words and they'll be converted in their presence. And so here they bring this, this young man, and as soon as they open the door and uh, they push the quadriplegic young man into the presence of Pastor Bouillon, the young man starts giving it to the pastor. Who are you? And calling him bad names and disrespecting him. And so, Pastor Bouillon, being the big-hearted evangelist, goes up to him, puts his arms around him, and says, Jesus loves you. Well, that was the worst thing he could have done, because now he was blaspheming the name of Jesus, saying how bad Jesus was, and all these negative things about Jesus. Well, Pastor Bouillon, to the surprise of everyone who knew him as a calm and collected person, said, you can say all you want about me, but don't talk about my Jesus. He said, you know what your problem is, he said? And the young man says, are you blind? Can't you see what my problem is? I can't walk, I can't move, I can't do anything. 
And the pastor said, that's not your problem. Young man said, well, why won't you switch places with me and see if it's not a problem? He says, that's a problem, but that's not your main problem, he says. Your main problem is that your heart is filled with hate. Was it God that pushed you onto that rock? Was it God that made you drink so you would do that? Was it God who caused that? You have all this anger against God, but you are bitter, and you are angry, and you have no one to blame but yourself. The man just started screaming with the only movement he could do, cursing God, cursing the pastor, and they quickly took him away. Pastor Bouillon said, what, what can I do, you know? I can't work a miracle. Five years went by. Five years went by. And he came back to the same place. The same room that he was in right before the sermon where they had brought that young man. Again, the door opened and guess who's coming through in that same bed? The quadriplegic. Pastor Brigham said, oh no, here we go again. Part two. But this time, he saw a difference in the face. There was a shining. There was a smile. And he said to the pastor Bouillon, I've come here. I've been waiting for this moment because I want to thank you for what you said to me that night five years ago. He said, after you spoke to me, I prayed to God for the first time in many years, he said. You know why I prayed to God? That he would make you a quadriplegic too. <laughs> And I prayed to God that he, would, that he would curse you and something bad and terrible would happen to you. But I started talking to God. And as my prayers came out, I realized that I was filled with anger. That I was filled with bitterness. And that God was not to blame. The headlines are not God's faults. The headlines happen to the, to the bad and to the good, King Hezekiah was a good king. But the highlights, the highlights, oh, that comes to God's people. That comes to God's people. And that young man surrendered his hate and his anger to the Lord. And he was transformed from a bitter young man into a happy young man. And you know what he was doing now? Saturday evenings, the young people would take him. This is not a wheelchair. I mean, this is a bed. They had to take him a mobile bed. They would take him to downtown where the clubs are. And all the people are going from club to club, nightclub to nightclub. And the young people play the guitar, play their music, and it would attract the crowd. And then when there's a crowd, that young man, with the only movement that he had, he would use it to preach the highlights of what God had done in his life. Now capture the essence of this story. Isn't it so great that God changed him from a bitter to a loving young man? But what a tragedy if he would have stayed in his room and never shared that with anyone else. But instead, he had led more than 20 people to the Lord because he couldn't allow God's working in his life to stay a secret anymore. 
So what is the main point of the story of King Hezekiah? We already know that there's headlines in life, bad news. We already know of the power of God to make those headlines into highlights because I know you have seen God work in your life. Those things we already know. But what we learn from the story of King Hezekiah is that God has given you a highlight so you may share that with the world. There might be someone this week walking next to you. There might be someone next to you at the grocery store, at your work, at the hospital, at your school, wherever you may be. And God is asking you to share your testimony. Two minutes, one minute of what God has done for you this Saturday, this last week, this last month, this last year. However the Lord shares it, don't keep it to yourself. Don't hide God anymore. Because He's here and He's working mightily in your life and in mine. So let us take a moment and confess because I think we all know a person in our life who we've been chit-chatting with, small talk about things that are meaningless, that are not authentic, that are not deep. Today you've been convicted that with that person, you need to share what God's doing in your life. And you want to ask God to give you the right words and the right moment to do that. Don't let that moment pass like King Hezekiah because you don't know the great danger and damage it may do in their life if you let it pass. But you do know the great good it may do if you share the highlights of your spiritual journey with God. Let us bow our heads, close our eyes. Think about that person that you have had interactions but you have failed to share your Lord and Savior and His work in your life. Today you want to confess before the Lord, forgive me for being like King Hezekiah and talking and sharing everything about my life except the most important thing, your mighty hand upon me. And today we confess and ask for forgiveness and ask that the Lord will still give us an opportunity with that person or someone else to testify of how good and great our Lord is. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer, our confessions. We ask for your help this upcoming week. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.